Hello, and welcome to Big Fish in the Talent Pool with your host, Aaron Peterson, partner and global talent acquisition consultant with People Results. In each episode, Aaron interviews a corporate head of talent acquisition to shine a light on how they got there, what keeps them up at night, and their views on all the hot topics in TA today. There's nothing Erin is afraid to ask because she's been there. Now here's your host, Erin Peterson. Hi, Big Fish listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in to episode 39. And I have to say, if you are part of an organization that's going through any kind of a big org change, or if you have in the past, going from decentralized to centralized or the other way around, I think you're going to find today's guest really interesting. Leanne Dawes of Cormark International leads talent acquisition and has been through uh, about a year and a half long journey to figure out how best to organize for a a really tough challenge. She hires about 5,000 people a year and uh, wanted to make sure that they were doing it as efficiently and as, as effectively as possible. There's a ton of data, a ton of analysis, and now some technology that's being implemented. And so stay tuned for more details on that. I think you're gonna find it very insightful. And thank you very much to my sponsors. First of all, of course, Paradox Olivia, the great people with the conversational AI tool and more. Have a look at paradox.ai, the Association of Talent Acquisition Professionals, atapglobal.org, and RPO Association, rpoassociation.org. You can find all kinds of great information at those three sites, and um, they are there for you. So thanks again for tuning in and enjoy my conversation with Leanne Dawes of Cormark. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 39 of Big Fish in the Talent Pool. We have as our special guest today, Leanne Dawes of Cormark International. They have a really interesting story, but more interesting than that is Leanne's career story. So we're going to talk a lot about that. But before I move on to um, your really interesting resume, Leanne, why don't you say hello to my listeners? Hello, everybody. I'm excited to, to be a part of your podcast today, Erin. All right. We are super excited to have you. Leanne, why don't you give uh, just kind of a high-level summary of your current role today, and then we'll work backwards. Yes, absolutely. So currently, I am the Senior Director of Talent Acquisition at Cormark International, as you mentioned. Um, And at a high level, for anybody who's not familiar with Cormark, we're one of the largest marketers of fresh and broadline solutions to Um, the convenience retail industry in North America, so the U.S. and Canada. And really, our mission is to be the most valued marketer of fresh um, and broadline supply solutions to the convenience retail industry. So um, we are a large organization. We have 7,500 employees and over 40,000 customers. Um, So we're big, as I mentioned, but we still have that small company feel, uh, which is really tied to our core value of family and is really the main reason I love being a part of Cormark. Uh, We truly abide by our core values of family and entrepreneurship, pioneering, um, and it's just an exciting place to be. Wow. I love that. And uh, I'm actually a fan of road trips. Um, My family and I have always taken them. And uh, now being an empty nester, I still love road trips uh, with my husband. And I um, have noticed, you know, because you have to make those stops occasionally, I've noticed more and more convenience stores have fresher stuff. They seem to be responding to more demand for that. And I'm pretty grateful for that. Do you, would you say that that's, you know, something that is connected to Cormark's mission as well? Is it, 
Is it just because you're offering more and they're taking you up on it or are the convenience stores demanding it? More. It's it's driven by the market, right? Um, the convenience store has evolved just like everything has over over the years, and it's evolving with preferences of their customers, right? Mm-hmm. So if you think about people nowadays, they're looking for healthier options, and they're looking for healthier options on the go because, as we all are so incredibly busy right now, and so the convenience stores are listening to that and introducing the products and the more fresh products into their selection to really meet the customers where they need to be met. Okay. And along with that comes plenty of challenges. Finding the talent that's actually going to make all that happen in the supply chain um, that you provide. So uh, so, so that's a thing that we're definitely going to get into. But you yes. didn't start at Cormark. You actually, so you went to Miami of Ohio and then um, actually started out at Rehab Care, right? And spent a good portion of your early career there, but you jumped right into recruitment. So it wasn't like you did something else and then converted into recruiting. You started as an RA, right? Recruiting assistant and Yes. So I was I always tell people this. I was not one of those college students that went to college knowing what I wanted to do. I knew I loved people, I knew I loved interacting with people and learning new things, but as far as a career path, I hadn't I hadn't figured it out. And so after graduation, I did move home to St. Louis, Missouri. I'm I'm originally from St. Louis. And I took some time to really think about what I wanted my path to be and what my passions were. And I fell into recruiting and I'm so glad I did. I always tell people you never know what's going to happen when you have a conversation. And I fell into a conversation with someone who was the VP of talent acquisition at a healthcare company, Rehab Care in St. Louis, Missouri. And when I spoke to her and she was hearing the things I was passionate about and my strengths, she told me that recruiting would be a great avenue for me and sounded good. And so she had a recruiting assistant position available and I jumped in and I've never gone back. Mm-hmm. Recruiting and talent acquisition is truly my passion. Uh, it, it is what I like to say, the good part of HR and all my HR business partner friends always. I say the fun part of HR. That's that's a little less, you know, <laughs> controversial maybe. I don't know. Yes, yeah. maybe we'll say that, the fun part of HR. <laughs> <laughs> well, very cool. And, uh, you know, it, it can be, you know, it's really such a blessing to have someone early in your career help you identify that thing, that path. Even if it ends up not being your long-term path, uh, mentors rock, that's for sure. That has taught me how to be a good mentor and to help others in their careers, right? Her taking that moment to have the conversation with me to learn about me and uh, to help guide me has, has shown me that I can do that for others. And it's truly a passion of mine. One of the um, aims of this podcast is actually to help younger professionals who are maybe kind of thinking about, do I want to build a career in talent acquisition and talent acquisition leadership? And so we we definitely try to give that perspective. But at the point at which you become a leader, you better be a mentor, right? It's, yes. it's time then because you've sort of made your way through all of those uh, decision gates and it sure is great when you can share those experiences and decision points with others. So especially younger professionals. So Absolutely. And it's rewarding. Cool. Yeah. And, and, and fun for sure. Um, like you, I love talent acquisition. I think 
it's the best career you could ever have because it's got so much variety and both strategy and tactics and sort of there's all kinds of good reasons. But um, it's not for everybody, for sure. Uh, so to help somebody make that decision is is really a gift, I think. Well, good. So so you had that advice. You started your career in healthcare, but then at some point you pivoted to retail and really spent a little bit of time gaining those skills at JCPenney, Container Store, and now at Cormark. I, I don't know if I'd consider Cormark a real retail, but definitely you're using some of your retail hiring skills, I'm sure. And I think you had, uh, you planted your feet a little for a little while in university relations, in, in campus recruiting, right? So talk about that and how your time spent in campus recruiting is serving you now. Absolutely. Campus recruiting, university recruiting was really my entry into recruiter positions outside of the recruiter assistant. Once I uh, moved on from the assistant position, I did go straight into campus recruiting. And honestly, I think that was the best thing for me because it it is grassroots recruiting, right? It is building your strategy, building your calendar um, looking at your sourcing and relationship building, right? You have to build your relationships with the colleges and universities and the deans in order to gain their trust in you and your organization recruiting their students, right? So um, at JCPenney, I led the internship and trainee programs for the corporate office. And at the time, JCPenney had a very large and robust training and internship program uh, for their merchandising and planning and allocation um, business units. And so I would plan out and recruit those full teams uh, each year, building again the relationships with organizations and universities in Texas and then across the U.S., uh, ensuring we were bringing the best and the brightest talent into the organization. And I will say college recruiting was the first time I truly saw how impactful a recruiter can be in someone's life, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Especially someone that's just starting their career. Yep. Because that, to be able to give someone their first true full-time job out of mm -hmm. college, it is so rewarding. Yeah. Um, and to then be able to continue a relationship with them and see them grow in your organization, that again is just so rewarding. And so I loved my time as um, a college recruiter, and I learned so much during that mm -hmm. time. Yeah. Also about recruitment marketing, right? Absolutely. Because that's when it can be really front and center. Absolutely. And I also think it shows you how much relationships plays a part in in recruiting, right? Mm -hmm. And to be able to recruit the best talent. You have to build relationships and build trust with the universities and with the students in order to, to get them to want to join your organization. So yes, absolutely. Recruitment marketing is key, but the relationship building is a true, a true component that influences your brand on the, on the campus. So who do you think is most important to build a relationship with on campus? Is it the career services team? Is it the faculty? Is it mm -hmm. student groups? What, where did you emphasize Yes. So for us, um, it was the faculty and the student organizations. The career service centers absolutely are great individuals and, and, and are a great resource for the tactical components and to be able to get in front of the students for um, some of those more broad brush activities. Um, 
But from a relationships and truly getting into the classroom and getting the recommendations from a faculty member to a student of, hey, JCPenney is going to be coming next week and they have a great training program that you need to go look at. We found, or I found it most beneficial to build those relationships and to um, invest in um, connections there. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Um, And uh, I think it's all becoming much more virtual Mm -hmm. these days. Um, You know, the days of, you know, bringing cookies to the career staff (laughs) and... taking the faculty out for dinner and, you know, those types of things. I mean, do you think that's a thing of the past or do those kinds of relationship building or, or, or doing the pizza party for the student group, you know, that those types of things. Does, does well, that pizza is always going to win over a college student. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think pizza is ever going to go away, but I do think you bring a, a, up a good point. I think how you connect with people just overall is, is adjusting. And so you have to mm-hmm. adjust your strategy. Now I've been out of college recruiting for a while. So I, 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 I can't say exactly what works, but I do still think there's going to be that relationship component and that in-person component that's going to be beneficial to the overall relationship and success of the recruitment strategy. Right. I agree. I think handshake can't do it all. Yes. Yes. Handshake is... it, it's terrific, but you know, I, I I just think an integrated strategy is is probably the key. So once I was able to move from college recruiting over to corporate recruiting, that's really where I gained a vast amount of experience across business units, right? And I will say that experience was truly um, instrumental in where I am now. With regard to location, you were in St. Louis with with rehab care, but. JCPenney was based in Dallas. So did you move to take that role at JCPenney? What what was the... the No, actually, I moved to Dallas due to my husband's job relocating to Dallas. And I was luckily able to relocate with Rehab Care. Uh So Rehab Care had a small satellite office in Dallas. Mm -hmm. So I was still able to hold that role with Rehab Care um, and really make sure that I ended my career there on the right foot. So I ask because I often talk with leaders about the flexibility of being able to move if the right opportunity comes along. And I didn't know if that applied to this situation, but it's terrific that Rehab Care offered that uh, bridge opportunity for you. So you went from JCPenney to the Container Store. What was that move about and how was your role different at Container Store? Yes. So I was... So extremely lucky to be a part of the the team at the container store. And one of the main... Love that store, by the way. I just have to say. (laughs) I know. I'm I'm an organization fan. (laughs) Well, I have to tell you a funny story. There's an amazing uh, employee discount when you work at the container (laughs) store. That would be dangerous. It is very dangerous. And all of your family members are going to love you if you work there. Christmas was the container store time for everybody. But funny story, I moved uh, right after I joined Cormark. So after I had left the container store and, you know, when you get a new house, you just want to organize everything and make it perfect and clean and nice. So the first time I went to the container store, it was like, it was very hard to <laughs> not get that discount. And I said, do you have, you know, past employee discounts? <laughs> You should have implemented an alumni channel before you uh, left. Then, then you could have taken advantage of that, right? I'm gonna, I'm gonna look into that. I'm gonna look. Into well, good. That. So, so then, yeah. What was your role there, and how did that change? 
Yeah, but so I, I will tell you, I joined the container store um, for the opportunity, but also because of who the company is. They are a company that is founded on a strong culture focused on their people. And I think if you look at all of the companies that I have been a part of throughout my career, one of the main things across all of them is the focus on people and having a strong culture. Being able to be a part of the container store allowed me to learn more about how do best-in-class organizations from a culture perspective create that, sustain that, and be profitable and effective. So my time at the container store was so impactful for me from the standpoint I truly got to dive into what is a best-in-class culture and, and how does it work and, and how can it work on a larger scale? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how many people were you hiring a year there? What give us an idea of uh, size and scope? Yeah. So at the container store, it was a decentralized structure. So the stores were hiring their employees and they have very low turnover. Mm-hmm. The, the employee base is, is, is pretty tenured within our stores. So uh, my team specifically recruited for the corporate office. So not the supply chain or the distribution center and not the store, just the corporate office. So for that team, it was only about a little over a hundred a year that mm-hmm. we were that we were focused on. Okay. Yeah. And and I would imagine those were all the classic corporate functions, marketing, sales. Exactly. Or not not sorry, not sales, but um so marketing, finance, legal, technology. Technology. Okay. Mm-hmm. All the things that make the engine run. Exactly. Good. Okay. And now we finally arrived at Coremark. Talk a little bit about what attracted you there because it's a very different type of organization from a container store or a JCPenney. It it is definitely different. And I will say Coremark was an opportunity that I never thought I would be able to have. I was extremely happy and excited about my opportunity at the container store. But then when I learned about Coremark, for Mark and the organization. They're a 130-plus-year-old organization that has grown and um, innovated over all of those years. And now they were looking at bringing someone in to help with their recruiting structure. Formark is a very decentralized recruiting, had a decentralized recruiting structure to where our divisions or our field organizations were managing the recruitment process. And so there wasn't a lot of consistency or optimization being had. And so their desire was to have someone come in and and assess what does the future of Cormark's recruiting look like? What could it look like? And how do we optimize it so that we can continue to be on the forefront of the industry and continue to bring in the best and the brightest talent to the organization? Mm -hmm. And from what I understand, when you came, there wasn't a whole lot of optimization with technology. The HR business partners in the field were mostly doing a lot of the the legwork, right? So on top of their already full plate. Yes, that's a great call. Yes. So Mm -hmm. um, when I joined, we have our divisions across the U.S. and Canada, and each one of them has an HR manager. And some, based on their size, might also have an HR coordinator or generalist. Those individuals were the ones responsible for carrying out the recruiting function for all of the positions, including the high volume positions, so your warehouse and driver roles. And so having an HR manager or generalist carry out or be responsible for the recruiting function 
took away from the other responsibilities that an HR manager or, or generalist would have, right? Your employee relations piece, your engagement piece, your talent development piece, your business partner piece. It definitely was an opportunity to step in and assess what is the right structure that should be had for the organization. Mm -hmm. And I will say that structure worked when it was, quote unquote, that post and pray model, where all you had to do was post the positions and you had candidate flow and you could reach out to the candidates. They would respond. They would show up for interviews (laughs) and they would show up on day one. So those those days are somewhat gone. And so we needed to reinvent the structure. Mm-hmm. And the other piece that you mentioned is the technology. We, we did not have a ton of technology in place to help streamline the process and to create synergies within, within the process. So mm-hmm. there was definitely an opportunity to optimize. So we're talking about roles like Drivers, right? Truck drivers, merchandisers, you know, people who in some cases probably uh, have lots of opportunities. So you have to figure out how to differentiate. You have to figure out how to get them to the interview. (laughs) You have to figure out how to get them through the background check. So this is a challenging, and we're talking what, what kind of volume for those kinds of roles? Absolutely. So we we hire around 5,000 employees annually, and that's average. And when you think about it, I'd say probably 85, 90% of those hire are high volume. Yeah. So that's uh, talking about scaling. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's a great example of that. So I'm sure when you came in, you thought about org structure. You thought about, you know, what kind of a team would make sense if we are to disrupt this kind of status quo of HR business partners doing the work. And talk about how you thought about that. I mean, you must have thought about outsourcing at some point and, you know, or making sure it stayed in source. What, how did you process that? Absolutely. So I'll first say that coming into the organization, I, I didn't have an idea already in place. I didn't say, I know exactly what Hormark needs for recruiting. I knew it needed to be optimized and there were great opportunities to optimize and standardize, but to truly provide a recommend, recommended solution, one has to be embedded in the business, to understand the business, to learn the business, to build relationships with those in the divisions and understand how they're doing the work now, why they're doing the work that way, right? This is how they're recruiting. Why are they doing it that way? Um, and, and to do a lot of analysis. So we spent a year, year and a half doing that, building, building the data behind the need for standardization and optimization, and then also building the trust within the team that if we standardize and optimize, and if, if we listen to the HR team about what we need to do, we trust in them that they're going to do the right thing and, and we need to be engaged and supportive of it. So it took a year and a half to do that. And so to, to your point, we did look at a couple of different options once we had that base data. And we looked at in-house structure, right? So building an internal recruiting team to support all of the divisions. And then we also looked at outsourcing. So going to the RPO model. And, and pushing all of the positions out to an RPO to manage uh, for the organization. And through deep analysis um, and some outside consultant support, we were able to identify that the right structure and the right decision for Cormark and what we were looking to accomplish 
was mostly that in-house recruitment structure mm-hmm. and building that out with the people, with standardized processes, and then with the support of technology. You have a certification in change management, which is super interesting for a talent acquisition leader. And when you talk about that people process technology component of the solution, I bet the change management came into play pretty heavily. You know, talk about where you're at in that journey of bringing in the rethink of the whole process using the internal or really what I'd call more of a hybrid solution using heavily relying on technology. Is that right? Absolutely. Well, I think the change management piece, I think everybody should get certified in change management because there is no piece of our life, personal or work, where change isn't happening. So to have that ability to understand how to navigate through change and to bring others along in that change, I think is incredibly important. But specifically for us, the change management piece came into play from day one, right? So us coming in and not just saying right off the bat, we need a centralized recruiting, we need to do this, and this is how we're going to do it. First piece to change management is bringing them along in the journey, making them aware um, and that desire, right? So bringing them along in the journey of awareness and then building that desire for the future state and what can be. We spend a lot of time in the front end ensuring that our teams and, and the leadership team had a stake and had a voice in what we were doing and understood where we were in the process and what we were looking at. If you're a regular listener, you know that I often ask my guests about what they're loving in TA technology these days. And I'm back here with Josh Zwain of Paradox, the makers of Olivia, the conversational AI solution. On one of my last podcasts, the head of TA I was talking to said she still needs convincing when it comes to conversational AI being a a, a viable tool for her team. What do you say to TA leaders who are still a little skeptical? Probably the question you get is, does it remove the human element? And I'd actually like push back on that a little bit and say, um, it's not very human right now when when candidates get ghosted or, you know, they don't get questions answered or they fall into some black hole. So, you know, really, we try to set out to solve the problem of, you know, where does it make sense to apply technology to make the experience better? And where should humans still be involved? And how do we how do we make those humans more effective at their jobs? We don't view this as a replacement for recruiters. Um, we view it as a as a tool to make these recruiters more effective at their jobs and, you know, frankly, to get them out from behind the computer screen and talking to people again. How else can my listeners connect with Paradox? Sure. So we built an actual uh, demo experience. If anybody wants to test it out, they can text Big Fish to 25,000 on their on their cell phone. It's not a full Olivia experience. I think it's an intro. And it's a gateway and it's, it's the start of a conversation. All right. And I appreciate the Big Fish connection. Great to talk to you as always. And we'll be in touch. The way you communicate and you help to build a recruitment strategy with a VP of design is different than how you would approach that with a VP of technology or planning and allocation. So how would you characterize that difference? Well, I mean, it, it varies. I think it's, it's, it's from a, for instance, from the design perspective, it is a little more relational based and less tactical, more of we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to pull it together and it's going to work great. They don't want all the specific details. They want an overall strategy and vision, I guess you could say, a vision. And then it's the 
the in-person communication is what I found was a key there. They wanted that in-person interaction as opposed to an email project timeline or email update. Whereas some other business units on the other side might want that strategic outline strategy and timeline attached with weekly written email updates. So I can picture that, but does it scale to have to communicate in different ways with different leaders? What's your thought on that? I think absolutely. I mean, it depends on what you're going for, right? I think, you know, at, when I'm referencing my time at JCPenney, it definitely could scale because I had a certain amount that I was supporting, right? And you have to cater to that. Now, if we're talking high volume or a, a certain percentage of hires outside of that or a certain percentage of hiring managers, then, it, then it's going to be different. And you're- So let's let's talk about tech, except before we talk about tech, I just have one more question about how you got under the covers of your customers, because most of that time was in the year of COVID, right? So how did that go? Because you couldn't really travel to the field and stand with the you know hiring managers who were trying to get truck drivers hired. So what what, what did you do to really understand? Well, so I will say prior to COVID, I did have a year under my belt at Cormark. So I was going and visiting divisions and building those connective points with with the teams, both hiring managers, HR managers, and then um, divisional presidents. So having that under my belt was helpful. But honestly, during COVID, I learned so much because it was a time where we all banded together and had to, to learn from each other and to work together in order to hit our recruiting needs at the immediate time, right? So not just thinking about our future state, but getting in there and working together to say, we have immediate needs right now. Outside of what we want to do in the future, how are we going to address our current needs, mm-hmm. right? Because our business did increase, you know, we and the hiring landscape was incredibly competitive and still is. And so we had to really buckle down and partner with our divisions and the teams to learn what their bottlenecks were in the process, to learn what they were facing as far as shortage and to help them through that. So I I absolutely would say just that experience helped to formulate the decision on where we needed to go. For the okay, future. good. I love it. And, uh, you know, there's there's no atheists in a foxhole. Is that what they say? I think that's an old... <laughs> And I'll say, I don't know means, that one. Yeah, yeah, I think it's actually World War II or World War I kind of a thing. You just need to band together when you're in the middle of, you know, difficult yeah. times. So technology. So where, what's your favorite these days? What are you, what are you looking at? What are you thinking you want to implement? What's, what's going on for Cormark? Yes, gosh. Well, I will say for HR and the talent acquisition functions, if organizations aren't looking at technology, then you're behind. You you have to be looking at technology at this point in time. I think there was a study out there that 44% of companies have already invested in new solutions this past year because there's just so much out there and the need for it is essential. The technology I will say that is the most exciting at the top of my mind right now is conversational AI. And the reason for that is because our future state structure that we're moving towards as a recruitment optimization, it is based heavily on leveraging conversational AI to help take over some of those repeatable processes and allow recruiters and sourcers to focus more on the high impact parts of their jobs and also to allow conversational AI to speed up 
the process, mm-hmm. right? Which is a key component to being successful in the talent market right now. Okay. So if I'm a um, candidate, how will I experience Cormark differently in your future state than I would today? Yes. Oh gosh, this is where I get so excited. It's it's really exciting. At all points in the candidate journey, you will experience conversational AI, but the key component of that is that you don't realize it, that it feels like a, a person. And, and there definitely will be a person at, at times as well. But uh, for instance, the job search matching, right? Our conversational AI will be able to help candidates find jobs that are right for them based on their location. Um, and qualifications. So a candidate can go to our career site or a candidate can text 7445. I'm making that up. Mm-hmm. And we will have the conversational AI be able to ask them questions and help them find current openings. And then if it's a position that someone is interested in, that conversational AI can then get their information and also screen them based on the qualifications for that role. Mm-hmm. So, so then, and that happens in, let's call it a minute and a half, right? Yes. Once, once they engage with you on text. Okay. What next? What, what other parts are, are impacted? Right. So let's say they were screened and, um, they fit all the qualifications and they were still interested in applying. Then that conversational AI can go the next step and actually schedule that candidate for interviews with the appropriate hiring manager. So qualified candidates can immediately be offered the opportunity to come in for an interview and be scheduled with the appropriate interviewers, Mm -hmm. right? The other really great thing about it is, is we all know interviews sometimes get canceled or need to be rescheduled. The conversational AI can handle that too. It can can reschedule and cancel interviews. And as we all know, that is a huge administrative task that the talent acquisition teams manage. And so Mm -hmm. to take that off their plate is really exciting for us. Yeah. One of my early podcast interviews was with David Reed and he was at Vail Resorts at that time. And, and when I said, what's, what's your number one thing that keeps you up at night? And he said, scheduling. Mm. (laughs) It is the biggest pain point for most teams. And so it just makes so much sense to make that automated, but that's hard, right? Because you have to integrate Mm. it with other systems. And so, so good for you for taking on that, that, that challenge. Cause I think it's, it's, the a, a key point of frustration for both candidates and uh, recruiting teams. Absolutely. And you you touched on something. Absolutely. Conversational AI, as I speak about it, it sounds so exciting and so great and amazing, but there is a lot of upfront work that needs to be done because in order for all of that to work seamlessly, you have to make sure the integrations are set up right. You have to ensure that all of the screening questions that you've mapped out align with the right job code so that the conversational AI is screening them appropriately. You have to ensure that your hiring manager's calendars are up to date and um, that they're referencing them on a daily basis. So there is a lot that comes into it. It's not just roses, but it is leaps and bounds better than than what it would be um, without conversational mm-hmm. AI. And the other thing I'll tell you is the engagement and communication piece. In today's landscape and talent landscape, I believe that the communication, the consistent communication and constant communication with candidates is of utmost importance in order for you to actually get them from interview to start, right? Yeah. And that takes a lot of time. 
having that contact and that communication. And when I think about high volume positions specifically, it doesn't have to be this robust email. It just has to be a text that says, hey, Jimmy, we're so excited about your interview tomorrow. Reach out if you have any questions. Again, here's the time and here's the location, right? And then, hey, Jimmy, Tom's going to meet with you in 30 minutes. Are you here? Right? Right. No, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that left to our own devices, the humans will make mistakes and drop the ball and forget. And, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's just a wonderful use. Okay. What do you say to those skeptics who, who say, yeah, well, I don't know about, you know, communicating all the time by text with candidates. That's, isn't that kind of impersonal? How do, how do you answer that? I, you know, I think text is honestly, and the data shows it, the way candidates in our industry and at the high volume specifically are are communicating. And so you can't always focus on is it impersonal, is it personal? You have to focus on how do you how do you meet the candidate where they are? How are you going to meet them? If they're on their phone all the time, and sometimes, I mean, let's be honest, if someone calls me and I'm like, I don't want to talk right now. Or gosh, an email, I have to write an email back. No, it's so much easier just to be able to text someone real fast back, right? And so we have to be flexible and thoughtful about how we connect with candidates if we want to be successful in the recruitment process. Mm -hmm. And your population, warehouse workers, merchandisers, truck drivers, you're confident they all have phones, they all have devices, they're engaged in the technology, so you're not worried about that. Is that right? Yeah. So I never say I'm confident all, right? <laughs> I'm confident the majority do. However, if they don't have that, we obviously will have that personal opportunity to connect, right? So if someone wants to opt out of the conversational AI piece of the candidate journey, we have recruiters and sourcers and coordinators that will take them through that candidate journey. It's not an all for nothing. It's, I would say, probably 85, 90% of the population will feed through the conversational AI at the the major points. The rest Mm -hmm. of the population might not, and that's why we have those additional support people. Okay. So the higher touch is really reserved for the minority of the candidates as opposed to the majority of the candidates. Exactly. Okay. So it's it it's a nice hybrid approach that's going to meet the needs of pretty much any kind of candidate. And I would imagine over time that, that 85 is going to become 90 and 95 and then 99%. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, because think about it in the other way. When I go back to you have to meet the candidate where they are, a candidate might be on their couch at 10 o'clock at night looking at jobs and they might apply. Mm-hmm. So if if you don't have the conversational AI, they're going to apply through your ATS Mm -hmm. and then it's going to sit all weekend. And then when your recruiter gets back in the office, if they get to review their resumes in the morning, it's Monday morning by the time they're reaching out to see if the the person is one, qualified by screening and two, Mm -hmm. if they want to interview. If you have the conversational AI in place, they can screen and schedule that individual Friday night at 10 o'clock on the couch. How cool is that? That's the way it needs to be, for sure, especially given your urgent and ever-changing needs in the field. So how are hiring managers responding to this? So far, so good. I'll be honest. This is part of the change management piece, right? So we're just going through the implementation. We're in the midst of implementing this conversational AI, and we're in the midst of getting ready to 
take over some of the recruiting responsibility within some of our divisions. So we're still in that change management piece of building that desire, bringing them along in our journey and ensuring that they are heard and have a voice through the process. I think many of them are excited to get recruiting off their plate so that they can focus on other things that are highly important to the bottom line of the business. And I will say probably after this last year of COVID, they're super excited to get recruiting (laughs) off their plate. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I am super excited for you and your organization to see how this all works out. Are you comfortable saying which conversational AI that you chose? I am comfortable. We um, went through an extensive RFP process. And through that, we found some great vendors. But the one that really resonated with us and that we felt would be a great partner for us long term and provide us the capabilities that we needed um, was Paradox. So we are implementing Paradox as we speak. Oh, exciting. Um, And just uh, maybe another another word about that, because I'm I'm actually interested to know what the support is like on the vendor side for the implementation. Are you finding that you have to do most of the heavy lifting or do you have a partner there to walk you through it? Yes, absolutely. So Paradox definitely has the support there um, in order to make us successful in the implementation. Obviously, we have a project manager and then we have some uh, technical support representatives that are helping us. Um, And so on our internal team, we're working heavily with our HRIS team and then obviously the talent acquisition team. And then we do have a focus group of HR managers and hiring managers that are Mm -hmm. part of the implementation. So we ensure we're, we're doing it right and taking everybody's perspective into play. Okay. Wow. Sounds very comprehensive. So congratulations on that. Have you chosen a name? Is it Olivia? Is it their Olivia or is it a different name for Cormark? So yes, we have decided to go forward with Olivia. Okay. So Olivia will be our conversational AI. And so Mm -hmm. um, she is going to be the the face of connecting with candidates through technology. Okay. Wow. Great. I, I will love to see how this turns out. So definitely need to have you back at some point to give us the 411 on how Absolutely. it all worked out for, for Cormark. So, you know, I always ask my guests, and, and you're still right smack dab in the midst of your career. You're by no means a, a starter and you're by no means at the end of your career. So you're sort of right in there. You know, if you could look back and give a little advice to the 22-year-old Leanne, what would you tell her about the career that you have now had and what you would do you know, differently, how you would think differently about where you're headed in your career? What, what advice would you give her? Yeah. When I think back, there's a couple of things. First, it's don't be afraid to take a risk because you have to take risks in order to learn and to order in order to, to grow. I think younger in my career, I was a a little more nervous about taking those risks. But when you find your confidence and you realize you do know what you're talking about and, and it's okay to take a risk and, and to learn and to grow with that risk. So I wish I had started taking a little more risks, risks earlier on, but um, doing it now and, it, and it's really um, helping me grow and, and continue to learn and develop. So I would say, don't be afraid to take risks. Um, the other is, Leverage your strengths uh, that you have, uh, both from a personal perspective and within the business environment. Don't just focus on the opportunities that you have to develop. I think when we think about developing talent, we we focus on sometimes 
okay, she's, she could gain a little more skill here or there. And so we focus so much on the opportunities you have to develop as opposed to also fine tuning the strengths that you have, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's great things that can be found with those strengths that you have innate. Mm-hmm. So um, I would tell myself to to focus on your strengths as well as those opportunities for development. Well, that's a that's a theme, especially the risk taking and confidence thing. <laughs> I hear that from a lot of my guests. And um, thanks for offering the the sort of strengths perspective as well. Yeah. I think that's a really important piece of it. You know, we we kvetch all the time about what we need to fix. And honestly, mm-hmm. lean in, lean into your strengths. So I'm exactly. I'm there with you. Yeah, exactly. And what's next for you? What's next? Well, honestly, Erin, I am just focused on this optimization right now. Yeah, so right, what's next right. is to to ensure that Cormark is set up for success in the recruiting uh, sphere uh, for now and go forward. And that that is, I will say that is the biggest thing for me is to make sure that that we set the organization up for success. Talent and talent acquisition is one of the biggest things that's impacting businesses right now, right? The ability yeah. to get people to work, right? For us, it's we need people to deliver to our customers to then to deliver to you, right? Yeah. From there, the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, especially as it relates to leveraging those skills or broadening. I mean, do you, do you think you'll spend your entire career in talent acquisition? You know, it's so funny. Someone asked me this yesterday and, and it kind of took me off guard. I, I said, I, you know, I've never thought of, I, I haven't thought about that recently. And honestly, I would love to expand my knowledge wherever that be, whether it's staying in the talent acquisition realm or branching out in other aspects of HR, as long as I'm growing and developing, that's what's exciting. But gosh, I love talent acquisition. It is, it is such a passion of mine. So mm-hmm. I just don't know right right now. Yeah. Well, there's plenty of work to do. There's no doubt about that. So then it's just a matter of leveraging your strengths. So, and I would say right now, one of your strengths is definitely strategic thinking about talent acquisition. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. So interesting. And like I said, I think we would love to have you back maybe six months, maybe a year and tell us what, the, this chapter two on conversational AI, which is going to be a huge change for your organization, right? I would love to. I think that would be super exciting to be able to share share that uh, success story of, of how we're leveraging the technology and that whole new structure. All right. Excellent. Thank you, Leanne. Good luck to you. Thanks so much, Erin. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Big Fish in the Talent Pool. This podcast is independently produced in collaboration with ERE.net, and we would love to hear your feedback. You can email Erin directly at E-P-E-T-E-R-S-O-N at people-results.com. You can also follow Erin on Twitter at Erin McPeterson, connect with her on LinkedIn, and learn more about her practice at people-results.com.